Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David. And today we are going to have a look at some of the stats of the day. Or rather, we should probably just call it stats of the game week mostly. Uh, Because, of course, on Saturday we had grand total of eight games. I can't remember the last time we had that many on a Saturday. It sort of harkens back to uh, the nostalgia of yesteryear when I would listen to probably eight or nine games on the radio at three o'clock with my dad in the car. So uh, yeah, it was a bit of a a blast from the past on Saturday, but it does mean that we actually already have a lot of the data that we would use to make our decisions for game week 10 already, which is really, really handy. Um, Apologies, this episode is coming a little bit later on Sunday morning. I wanted to record this a little bit later than than we usually do, just to include the Sheffield United uh, versus Man United match. Um, And uh, by the time that had finished, it got quite late. And I think there's a lot of us out there uh, from England, especially a little bit gutted about the rugby. So uh, <laughs> I felt like I needed to sleep on it, wait for all the data to uh, accumulate properly in the members area and uh, be able to look at this with a with a cool and clean head uh, on Sunday morning. So um, yeah, that's um, the time I'm recording this. So that's just to, sort of, to timestamp this for those of you who are listening. It is mostly going to be relevant because we've had eight games already, but um, we won't have the stats for West Ham and versus Villa. Uh, and then of course Spurs versus Fulham, which is being played on Monday night, won't form part of the analysis we do here, but fear not. Uh, we will have plenty of other coverage in the next couple of days that we'll be able to include those particular bits of information and to be honest the only thing that really uh, misses out is uh, helps us miss out on really is is just not knowing who is the top shooter for the game week which in some respects is a bit of a um, you know stat in a microcosm so we don't need to worry too much about that there's still loads of things that we can extrapolate from Saturday's games which I'm going to go uh, into uh, in the next few minutes basically um, so yeah um, as I've said before we're doing this as a bit of an audio only um, episode at the moment um, and so, yeah, um, if, you, if you're enjoying these, let us know um, via whichever uh, form of uh, sort of social media you contact us on. And uh, yeah, we're always looking for more feedback on uh, how we do these and when we do these. So do let us know. But without further ado, let's jump into the first of yesterday's games. And we're going to start in chronological order with, of course, the Merseyside derby at uh, Anfield on Saturday lunchtime between Liverpool and Everton, which was, of course, a little bit affected by that red card in the first half. Um, but... For those of you who went in on Salah 
you had to be patient, but um, once you got to the 97th minute, <laughs> you came away with a big double-figure haul. And so there were almost certainly going to be people out there who had been staying the course and going without Salah and have now seen him get double-figure hauls in two successive matches. Those of us who have Salah will be very pleased to see that he has got um, you know that consistency back again. Um, the only mildly annoying factor, and this is me for my team, is that um, I've had him for the last two weeks, haven't captained him, uh, for either of them, uh, and he's been the top-scoring player uh, out of my captaincy candidates. I mean, Son still has his game on Monday night to come, so that could change, but Salah, once again, outscoring Haaland. We'll talk about Haaland in just a second, but we're just going to uh, analyse uh, Salah's performance yesterday, and it was actually a very exciting one. Now, of course, we have to factor into these stats that, of course, Everton were playing a lot of this game with 10 men, so that did, of course, factor. But the interesting thing about Salah is that so far this season, he's been mostly um, a you know chance creation machine rather than a shot creation machine. Um, in the past, he's been you know the most busy player in the penalty box in terms of shots and things like that. Um, and uh, that had been tempered a little bit, and he was sort of being outperformed by those around him, like your your um, Diaz's and your Nunez's for things like shots in the box and shots on target. You know, not performing badly in that, but just not as well as his colleagues, which was, you know, surprising for him. But he was by far and away Liverpool's best creator. Well, against Everton, we saw a bit of a shift back to the Salah of old in many ways. Um, in terms of the goal threat, he had four shots in total. That was the joint second most. So Bosley had the most, but he was mostly peppering shots from outside the box. Uh, Salah was... Um, the big man for uh, shots in the box specifically he had four that was level with uh, Jota but when we keep zoning in on these shots Salah just continues to uh, come away as the winner really two of them were big chances and uh, he was the only player to have big chances in this game nobody else did and he had two of them shots on target two he's the only player in this game to have more than one shot on target there was actually a lot of shots from Liverpool players obviously because of course they were playing uh, with a man advantage but basically Salah was top of the pile in pretty much all of those stats with the exception of the total shots but actually really Sabozlai having more total shots uh, outside of the box probably doesn't really mean much for uh, FPL now um, of course you know there was a penalty involved in this as well which of course is always going to skew the stats a little bit um, but of course you know he's on penalties so great that's uh, that's definitely useful uh, for Salah let's have a quick look at um, the chance creation because it wasn't bad I mean he was still up there with uh, the most creative players in his team so Bosley was the most creative with four chances created and then we had um, McAllister and Salah joint second best uh, sorry McAllister, Salah and Jota joint uh, second best all with three apiece uh, for those of you sort of interested in Alexander-Arnold interestingly enough didn't create a single chance in this game really odd uh, that one uh, of course Shimikas uh, has come in to deputise for Robertson he created one chance um, and in terms of the penalty box touches you know Shimikas um, wasn't really able to uh, to trouble the penalty box uh, too much uh, unfortunately so um you know, we're unlikely to see him necessarily bombing forward um, and doing a lot for, for Liverpool in a, in a Robertson or even an Alexander-Arnold kind of way. But a 4.5 and with some favourable fixtures and Robertson out for quite some time, um, he could be uh, very useful indeed. I'll finish with the expected goals involvement for this one. Of course, penalty taking duties did impact this somewhat, but it's nice to see for those of us that have Salah that he was top of this game for expected goal involvement with a score of 1.44. Uh, however, you take out penalty taking duties and you look at non-penalty expected goal involvement 0.65 for the Egyptian king and uh, that's um, over double that of second place in this game Diaz, Sabozlai tied on 0.31 so 
conclusion from this game um it may seem obvious uh, in, in many ways but it's always good just to zone in on the numbers behind it Salah by far and away um the most attractive uh, FPL asset to come out of this game and it sort of continues to prove what we've kind of been discussing for some time when we when we had game weeks nine and ten that period of the season in our minds as a time to target Liverpool and a lot of us were hoping hmm, by then will someone else have emerged as a reliable um, player who can sort of track Salah's returns maybe not necessarily in terms of just sheer volume of points but can someone match him for value in terms of someone who's maybe like priced at 7.9 or 7.7 or 7.5 or something like that um, and then offer perhaps maybe less points but um, in a way that was proportionately less based on that price and unfortunately we're just not seeing it and of course the other advantage uh, for Salah is that these these big hauls as they're coming in and the reliability of these underlying numbers him still being you know one of Liverpool's best creators getting back to his goal threat best against Everton he's just in, in like infinitely more captainable than a lot of the other Liverpool assets and so it really just solidifies Salah's place uh, in that kind of threemium captaincy debate that we've been having in the last couple of weeks at the moment but this game week it was really Salah Haaland and Son were the three candidates. Next week, it's probably going to be Salah, Haaland and, and Saka instead. But, you know, Salah has has every right to be in that conversation. It's going to be lots of discussion in the coming days um, about whether or not people will start captaining him over uh, Haaland. Because, yeah, for the last two weeks, he's outscored him. Rodri came back from Man City and Salah still outscored him. So um, it's definitely worth noting that and definitely keep tuned to all of the content we're having in the next couple of days. Some of the best managers in FPL will be able to give their opinion on what they're going to do, whether or not they're going to break their team to get Salah in, because I imagine those who don't have Salah are probably starting to get really nervous about it now, um, or if they've already got them, to what extent are they going to allow his returns to influence their captaincy decision? It's lots and lots of big decisions to come up. Um, talked about the numbers here. We'll talk about the strategy in a little bit more detail this week, so stay tuned for that. Now, before we move on to Manchester City, which would seem like the obvious segue, I do want to get through a couple of other of the three o'clock matches because they sort of have some relevance in terms of uh, Brighton midfielders. So um, we'll start with uh, Newcastle first uh, because, of course, you know, there's a lot of people looking at midfielders in the price bracket uh, of around sort of five to seven million. Uh, Anthony Gordon uh, being one of those. Pedro Neto is another. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the Wolves game on this. Um, you know, Neto got another return, so um, he continues to tick along at a decent price but of course it is worthy of note that uh, Anthony Gordon got himself another attacking return got himself a goal in the 44th minute in a 4-0 win for Newcastle against Crystal Palace now before we go into details on the Newcastle players um, the interesting thing here is is that Crystal Palace's defense has been really really excellent this season and so uh, it just serves uh, to show really just how powerful this Newcastle attack is. It is irresistible in the way that it is playing football, uh, especially at St. James's Park as well. Um, and so it really makes you want to look at the Newcastle attack. I mean, I'm sat here with no Newcastle attack because I've not had a bad game week. But I've, I've got 56 points so far. And I'm always looking for ways to sort of, you know, push my team in a new positive direction. And I just feel like Newcastle, I'm a little bit exposed to them at the moment. Now, um, and, and results like this just illustrate that really well. You know, this team, like Crystal Palace... Um, capable of keeping clean sheets quite regularly this season. Anderson has given me a lot of joy, uh, but this one, four goals conceded. Wow. So what are Newcastle doing well? And is there anyone within that who you can seriously rely on? Now, the thing that's really annoying, and the stats of the day that I'm going to really sort of give you uh, here, is the fact that there is no clear individual player who sort of stands out above all of the rest Um statistically now Gordon and Wilson are probably the two that are going to take uh, a lot of the, the the attention and rightly so um 
but you know what you'll see in this game is you know one goal for each of them in a game where they scored four, and you've got Sean Longstaff and Jacob Murphy joining in the party, which is a bit annoying. It, it's you know it's not like Liverpool where everything seems to go through Salah. You know there are some teams where you have an individual talisman, but the talent is so well spread around this Newcastle team, and you can see that in the numbers. Uh, as well and so great team you know not knocking it at all but in terms of fantasy investment it does it does make life a little bit harder than we perhaps like it to and this match I think demonstrates that perfectly because as I said four goals four different goal scorers and when you go and have a look on the stats for this game and look at total attempts on goal sorting all of the players um, the top two are both Palace players and then you've got another three Palace players tied with four Newcastle players for joint second most shots in this game. So Ayu and Odson Edward had three shots each so they were the joint top shooters in this game. Uh, then you had Chet Decore, Mark Gay, Joel Ward, Anthony Gordon, Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy and Callum Wilson each with two shots apiece um, in this match and uh, then you have about seven players uh, roughly even split between the two teams all on one shot each and so while there were lots of shots in this game they were just coming from all over the place so everybody was having to go here you can kind of filter it down a little bit by looking at location we sort of filter out a couple of players here so when you go down by location it does help but not as much as you'd like because we've got one two three four five six different players in this game tied as the joint most persistent shooter in the penalty box it's Ayu, Edward, Gay, Anthony Gordon, Sean Longstaff, Callum Wilson all with two shots in the box each now filtering it down again Gordon and Wilson do come out on top for big chances, two each. But they only had one shot on target each. And the only player to have more than one shot on target in this game was Jacob Murphy. Um, and again, that's not to say that there was you know, not an array of talent here. Because again, the number of players with shots on target, there's quite a few. Uh, and so it's just a bit annoying. It's just a bit annoying. I think that Gordon probably deserves to be the one that people look at still because he's cheaper than Wilson and Wilson didn't finish the game. Um, you know, Isak did come on. And so we are sort of back to wondering, oh, okay. You know, we were kind of, when we say hoping Isak's injury will be longer, that's not for us to, you know, be mean. You guys all know what I mean. You know, you want to be able to pinpoint a specific Newcastle striker and having one of them have a bit of a knock is, is useful for that information. But he came on, Isak. So we're sort of back to square one with that a, a bit. Um, whereas we're not quite in the same boat with Gordon because, of course, Harvey Barnes is still out. But I guess the the point really is, is that when you look at these numbers, there's so many other players around Gordon stealing the opportunity to get attacking returns. You know, they can, they're, they're just, there's just attacking talent coming from every side. They don't have to focus down his flank. They go through the middle, then go through the other side. Um, set pieces as well. All these things just means that Gordon might not be as explosive as we like him to. It would be a very different story if the stats from this game were like he was clearly everybody of everybody else. Like, you know, four shots in the box, everyone else has got two, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a bit annoying. It's a bit annoying. Um, of course, this is just one game. Go and have a look at his numbers uh, for the recent weeks and have a look at his fixtures as well. But, yeah, really the focus, of course, of Stats of the Day is just to see how they got on uh, in this individual uh, game week. Let's uh, have a quick uh, check-in on distribution because, of course, Trippier getting involved uh, with assists once again. Um, two chances created for him. That was a joint most of any Newcastle player. Uh, he created one big chance and continued his run of assists. So he's still looking very solid in terms of investment as well now let's move on to the Brentford game now we're not going to spend too much time here other than just to pinpoint something about one 
Brian Mbermo, who, uh, those of you who held on and uh, without wanting to sound vain, that does include me, and I'm very happy with this because I had my eye on the Burnley game for some time. I felt it's definitely going to be worth holding on to him for this one because Burnley's defence has been so obliging. And after several weeks of some quite poor underlying numbers from Brentford, they seem to have really sort of, yeah, found a way to dominate a game again, um, having lost... Um, Rico Henry on the left-hand side of, of their defence. Of course, he offers a lot going forward as well. He managed to find a way. And it comes as no surprise, really, that it happened against a Burnley team that has been so obliging this year. So an XG of 3.24 um, for uh, for him, uh, for, for, for Brentford, sorry. Um, and then for Burnley, uh, 1.14. Uh, so, yeah, Brentford really dominated this game. Um, and I'm just uh, having a look at how many points Burton Burma got for my team because it was definitely double figures. Yeah, 14 points, one goal, one assist, maximum bonus. Exactly what we wanted to see. And it did come from some solid uh, underlying numbers. Six shots in this game from Burma, three of them in the box. Funnily enough, uh, none of them were big chances, but the volume in the end is what um, took him along. Four shots on target. That's double Visser, who was second best for that. Um, and Burma also this game's top creator as well. And so it does put me in a bit of an annoying situation, to be honest, because I told myself going into this game, and Burma gets one last chance, his last chance saloon, and whatever he does, he's gone. <laughs> he's going to go after that. Uh, and you just look at the fixtures beyond it, uh, and it is uh, Chelsea away next, West Ham at home after that, Liverpool away, Arsenal at home. The only game I would really be interested in him for a second round is probably West Ham at home because their defence is uh, quite obliging this year. They're relying very heavily on the Areola to uh, get by. Um, so it means might have to be goodbye. But, you know, and, and I guess um, the fact that his numbers have been so poor and then they're so good against Burnley, I think probably says more about Burnley than it does again about Brentford. Although I'm sure that, that, you know, Thomas Frank is a very pragmatic manager. We all kind of figured that he would find a solution for how to, you know, get this team firing again after, you know, losing that um, big important uh, factor on the left-hand side. So maybe that's happening. Um, but when, yeah, it, it's, I, I think it's goodbye. I think it's goodbye from Burma. But I thought it was interesting just to point out that kind of what a lot of us who had in Burma predicted for this game uh, came true and it wasn't a case of luck either because um, you know he, his underlying stats for this game were very good so his um, the points that he got he, he really deserved to get uh, to be honest uh, he finished this game 1.56 um, goal involvements and got himself two so largely in line with that and so the reason I wanted to talk about those two games, Newcastle and Brentford, before we talked about the City game, is because of how impressed I was with Matoma. Now, he didn't get an attacking return against Man City, um, but his underlying numbers were absolutely brilliant. And uh, I've been talking about Matoma as someone who I was thinking about as a replacement for Mbomo, um for several weeks now. Their fixtures coming up, Fulham at home, Everton away, Sheffield United at home, Nottingham Forest away. Fantastic fixtures for the Seagulls in the next couple of weeks. And they did give Man City a little bit of a scare. Uh, in the uh, Saturday 3 o'clock game. Um, City were kind of in charge, uh, especially going 2-0 up inside the first 20 minutes. Uh, but then an Ansu Fati goal in the 73rd minute just gave uh, Man City a little bit to think about. And actually, Brighton finished this game with a higher XG than Man City. So um, I'm actually going to start with Brighton because, as I said, it's a segue away from Burma and what my plans are for him. As I said... This isn't really news, uh, probably, to people who've been sort of following what we've been talking about on Fantasy Football Scout and Burma to uh, Matoma. seems like a fairly um, common idea at the moment, but it's always nice to get nice statistical and eye test confirmation that that is worth 
doing and he's still got some form etc because it's been a little bit of a while since we've had a big return from Matoma but um, against Man City who have had a fantastic defensive numbers so far this year Matoma finished this game joint top four shots so uh, Doku and Alvarez had three each as did Matoma so those three players tied for uh, most shots uh, two shots in the box for Matoma the only player with more shots in the box in this game was Doku and bearing mind Haaland was here so he had more shots in the box than the big Norwegian two big chances as well that was uh, for Matoma most of any player in this game two shots on target level with Haaland as the most shots on target in the game so Matoma is looking very threatening if he can do that against Man City there wasn't a lot of creation to come with that Matoma didn't create any chances but that goal threat is brilliant to do that against Man City really really shows that he's ready to come in and perform well against those other teams that Brighton have got which are favorable fixtures uh, expected goal involvement Matoma also top 0.50 expected goals to be involved in so he's one of this week's top uh, XGI underperformers so far so yeah, really, really encouraging. If we can just get a bit of an idea over whether or not he's going to start, um, we'll, you know, that will help. Um, he hasn't really been uh, rotated all that much this year. Um, he has managed to play 90 minutes in six of the first nine. Um, sorry, uh, seven of the first nine, I should say. Uh, 45 minutes uh, against uh, against Bournemouth, but he scored two goals in that one. 80 minutes against Wolves, but he got a goal and assist in that one. So um, I think he is looking really strong for the next couple of weeks and yeah um, the stats in the Man City game really confirmed that but let's just switch a gear and now talk about Man City themselves that was a bit of a detoured route from Salah to Haaland because it's worth having that conversation that I was surprised to see Haaland's numbers for this game not as good as I was expecting them to be but there but we have to say there's still improvement Rodri's back in the team Stones is back in the team which is also good for Man City he might take a little bit of a while to get up to speed but when Rodri and Stones are paired together in that Man City midfield whoa I mean wow that's a very very effective system the way that they shift the ball from the defensive five to the attacking five those transitions through those two players um, are really really effective and I think in the coming weeks we will see Haaland get back to his best and to be fair there was improvement in his numbers and his stats for this game because it was just one shot in two matches against Wolves and Arsenal uh, he had two shots in this game one in the box no big chances two on target but of course still managed to come away uh, with an attacking return um, and you know whilst it wasn't as explosive a score uh, as Salah uh, you know I'm not unhappy to get eight points out of this game got himself two bonus uh, for example because in the end his goal proved to be the winning goal which uh, it does nudge you in a positive direction for those bonus points um, Alvarez also um, continuing to be quite persistent as a strike threat as we said Three shots in this game. That was the joint sec, uh, joint joint most. Sorry, um, and in terms of expecting goal involvement, he had an expected goal involvement of 0.35. So he was the player, the Man City player with the highest expected goal involvement there. Um, so yeah, I, as I said, the debate around Haaland versus Salah is going to continue. Uh, Man City, of course, have Man United away next, but then they've got Bournemouth at home. So there's definitely some opportunities in this couple of weeks to still probably captain Haaland. Um, some mild improvement on his numbers, but they're not <clears throat> they're not as good as they were before Rodri's suspension. Um, you could argue, you know, Brighton, good team, but we have been saying they have been leaky at the back, even though they've been playing well. So um, one to monitor for sure. I was expecting slightly better numbers from Haaland out of, out of this one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right, let's quickly talk about uh, Chelsea, uh, and then we're going to talk about the Sheffield United Man United game. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to go into massive stats detail on, on all these matches from Saturday, so we just sort of cherry pick the most important ones from a fantasy perspective. And yeah, it's Chelsea next. Now, this was a very interesting game Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. Chelsea outscoring Arsenal for expecting goal involvement, and uh, Arsenal coming very close to suffering um, a su- um, I'm going to say surprise defeat because really Arsenal have been much better than Chelsea this year. Um, but the big FPL story from this one, in my opinion, is Cole Palmer. Um, another penalty for him Um, so you could turn around and say oh yeah another penalty you know just getting by on the penalties but the fact that we've got a 4.9 million midfielder on the penalties for Chelsea is really really encouraging Um, and uh, we did a video on him a couple of a couple of days ago during the international break about you know okay what's what's all the fuss about with this guy is he worth looking at and what we found was that his per 90 stats were really strong he'd only started two games but his numbers in those games have been fantastic and the games where he'd been a substitute they'd also been very effective and so it was a case of yeah I think he's going to be a really important attacking asset for Chelsea this year his price and his FPL classification make things look really attractive the only issue we had was the fixtures we were thinking hmm the fixtures are a bit of a challenge let's see how he gets on in those fixtures the harder ones you know Arsenal Brentford Spurs Man City Newcastle Brighton Man United and then you get to Everton Sheffield United Wolves Crystal Palace Luton Fulham can he show enough over this period where he faces the difficult teams to offer you know kind of like you know, possibly even template potential for those really positive fixtures. And so far, the update on Cole Palmer is yes. Penalties continuing, which admittedly they're not going to come every week. But the key here is that the goal threat for Palmer outside of the penalties is still brilliant. And he was the most effective um, attacking threat of either team in this game. So four shots in this game for Palmer. That's the most of any player. Three of them in the box, the most of any player. Uh, two big chances. The only other player in the game to have a big chance was Trossard. Two on target. And he's the only player in this game to have more than one shot on target. The Arsenal threat was mostly spread around the team. Um, you know, you had three players on one shot on target each. You had sort of like a cluster of players on two shots in the box, for example. Um, and and really, the, that was the story of the rest of the Chelsea attack as well. So Cole Palmer was just very, very far ahead of everybody else. Um, less crea- creativity in this game. He has had some decent creative numbers of late but just one key pass in this one but actually let's be honest 4.9 million midfielder with attacking threat like that 
against a team that has got some really good defensive numbers this year, Arsenal. Um, they haven't necessarily kept as many clean sheets as we'd like them to, but they had largely been limiting teams to not too much in the way of um, being able to fashion chances. And so these numbers from Palmer show that he was able to rise above that. Admittedly, he's at home, Arsenal away from home. Maybe you go factor that in a little bit. But the point is, is that for him to do this in the first game of that really challenging run after he'd really put himself on the radar, bodes really well. I'm probably not going to invest in him just yet because I, I still think the next couple of fixtures, the balance of probabilities are not enough in his favour that they can score lots of goals in those games just because the teams they're playing against have been defending well this season. I'm really looking at this run for part, as a a chance for Palmer to really prove himself uh, to me to see um, how well he can perform in the easier fixtures if he can do well in the harder ones. And as I said, so far, all things looking good. Now, the other, of course, um, talking point here has to be um, Saka um, because, of course, a lot of people uh, had sold him. 90 minutes in this one, so it's good to see him uh, being able to finish a game again. Uh, but it was actually quite a limited game for him. So just three touches in the box for Saka. He actually had no shots all game, which is very unlike him because he has been quite good for that this year. However, he was relatively creative. He was Arsenal's most creative player in this game. Three key passes and one big chance created. And, of course, he came away with an assist. And so with the Sheffield United game coming up next... I'm definitely looking at ways to get Saka back in my team. That was always the plan. Getting rid of him when I did was an opportunity to get Son in. Um, and hopefully that's going to pay off with the return against Fulham. Um, and then after that, when Spurs switches get a bit harder, Son seems like the most likely person to switch back to Saka and maybe even captain him against Sheffield United. So speaking of the Blades, it's finished with them and their game against Man United. And really, of course, the fantasy talking point here is around the Red Devils players here. And it's good news for Fernandez owners, uh, sort of. You probably were a bit underwhelmed with what you got out of him for this game. Um, if, if you were a Rashford owner, you're probably incandescent with rage because, wow, um, no attacking returns in this one. Um, and the underlying numbers kind of reflect it a little bit. Um, so we'll start with Fernandez. I mean, he continues to be a chance creation machine. Five key passes in this one, more than any player. Uh, four more than any other United player. One big chance created for him. Uh, and then combining that with Fernandez having two shots uh, on goal. None in the box, no big chances, none on target. But he's still having a go at least. And of course, he is the penalty taker as well. Um, you know, that meant that he came away with an assist. As I said, if you held on, for, no, held on to Fernandez this long and this is all you got, you're probably really frustrated and you're probably um, going to sell him, um, to be honest, when you look at some of the fixtures that United have coming up. And the, the thing is, is that just kind of like contextualizing some of these numbers a little bit more. Yes, the creativity numbers are so high for him and they're great, but who's really standing up and offering regular goal threat for them in a way that's going to help him consistently get assists and it's still a bit of a struggle because going back to the shots in this game um, no Man United player had more than two shots it's a bit like the Newcastle thing where you've just got like a cluster of players who all had two shots apiece and you kind of got a sprinkling of, of any of them having more than one shot in the box things like that so um, Rashford had two shots in this game one was in the box it was a big chance it wasn't on target Hoyland had two shots in this game one was in the box both were big chances both were on target um, but yeah no goals for him they may come eventually uh, but it's getting to a point now I think with Fernandez, especially that it's like there's lots to like but it, he relies on too many other factors kind of improving for you to get those points and I always say in FPL if you've got someone in your team where you know something needs to give in order for them to deliver on their potential, 
then a lot of the time it's time to get rid because you really need players in your team where there's not it's not reliant on some kind of improvement happening between now and the time that you need them to get points. I think the, the best case scenario of this is Everton defensive players over the summer. Everyone was saying, okay, fine. Everton was shocking at the end of last season. Um, but, you know, surely with Sean Dyche coming in, he should improve that defence enough for them to become reliable. And that, for me, wasn't enough. That's why I didn't own an Everton defender at the start of the season. And it's, in my opinion, why those who did own Everton defensive assets were largely disappointed. You were expecting something to change on the hope that it would rather than the knowledge that it probably will, which is slightly different. You know, you might turn around and say, David, what about Mbermo? The difference there is, is that Brentford were going up against a really bad defence. So in terms of, yes, fine, Brentford needed to find their groove again, but they were going up against the best case scenario team for that to happen, and it did. Um, And it was also the same story with United. We were expecting them to go up against a, you know, a a bad defence. And Fernandes still did the business, mostly. It's just that those around him didn't. Um, whereas with Brentford, I, th- I felt that Burma doesn't necessarily need... Well, uh, the rest of the Brentford team was already in good enough form that that was a bit more likely, I think. But certainly, without wanting to sound like I'm questioning everybody's decisions, if you held a United player for this game, it was absolutely the right thing to do. But I think that we'd all been saying, uh, if what happens in this game is you, they underwhelm, it's probably time to say goodbye. Because this was the game where you needed an explosive return from them because of who they were facing and you didn't get it. Um, and then just going back to Rashford, yeah, two shots in the box, uh, two shots, one in the box, one big chance, none on target. I mean, that's really poor for him when you consider that he, up until now, had been one of the most persistent shooters in the box this season. He was right up there with your Harlands and your Watkins and players like that and just one in the box against Sheffield United of all people. And interestingly enough, Archer was this game's most effect, most persistent threat. Four shots for him, most of any player. Three in the box, most of any player. Uh, no big chances, unfortunately, but two shots on target was the joint best in this game. And so while he's still not getting anything, it's 4.5. I'm sure there will come a time when they come up against someone who's going to let those goals in. He's a persistent player. He's still having shots. That's good. Um, I'm hoping that eventually he'll get auto-subbed in for maybe a six-pointer or something. So good um, numbers out of Archer, at least for now. So, yeah, there we are. Well, with that, um, we'll uh, I'll leave it there. Um, as I said, it's, it's hard to go into detail on all these games, and a lot of these are sort of just looking at games specifically just in the context of what happened there. If you want more context, and of course the members area is going to help you. Time's running out to get your 30% discount on the uh, pre-season prices to get your membership, so make sure you hurry up and, and sort that before the game week 10 deadline. Um, and then you can have a look at some of these games in more detail. We'll talk about some of the more broader um, trends that we've seen in FPL in all of the other videos and podcasts that we've got this week. Uh, so do stay tuned for that. But hopefully uh, you found this uh, helpful. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week um, with some more observations of Saturday's matches. But with that, I shall leave you fine, folks, to enjoy the rest of Game Week 9 and your preparation for Game Week 10. And I shall see you next time.